Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, Owen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick and uh, Noel you know, for for appreciators of TV staples and just like legends in the field, it has been a rough week because there's other news, there's other things going on. But not only in this past week have we lost uh, the, you know, for sci-fi people, for sci-fi fans of a certain age, of the millennial generation, quite a a you know a beloved figure in Mira Furlan from ba- uh, people will know from Babylon 5 which you can now watch on HBO Max BT dubs and you should yes an important addition for the news this week yes you should um but also she was on Lost she was Danielle on Lost um and what mm-hmm. a terrific performance I, I remember when she was cast when she showed up I was like oh that's awesome oh that's so cool yes all, I was the same all you people who didn't watch Babylon 5 you don't even know what you're in for she's so good um but in the past, as we record this, in the past like twenty four hours, um, mm-hmm. we have heard news of both of uh, the passing of both Cloris Leachman and Cicely Tyson. I believe both aged ninety six. Yeah, ninety six or ninety eight, somewhere in that Something, range. Yeah. yeah, in that area. Yeah, um, two absolute icons. Uh, both, you know, known for all sorts of work, film, TV, stage, um, but. You know, as this is a TV podcast, we'll talk about their TV. I was introduced of these people. I was introduced to Cicely Tyson first through the was it the autobiography of Miss Jane Janie Putnam or whatever it is that Jane Pittman. Jane Pittman, thank you. We watched yeah. that in school. Yeah, every everyone our age watched that in school, <laughs> <laughs> and she was just so good because in my because they have her. It must have been in old age makeup uh, at the time, like from when that was filmed. But like. I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. I didn't watch that much TV at the time. So I was just like, oh, there's an old actor and she's really good. Um, and now thinking back, I was like, well, that was a very long time ago. So they must have aged her up. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I just like bought it because, I mean, I don't know if I would now if I watched it, but because the performance was so good. So she's been somebody that like, like we watched that in, in like social studies class or whatever. And, uh, and I knew her name from that. Um, and at the time, I was not somebody who learned and memorized actor names and things um, if they weren't like this, the genre TV I was watching every week. So like that was you know notable for me. And then, of course, Cloris Leachman just, you know, I, I watched Young Frankenstein as a young person and she just popped up all over the place. I remember when she when she was in Raising Hope and when I first saw it, I was like, oh, she, oh, perfect. I mean, like, I wish she was given more, but you bring in Cloris Leachman, she's going to knock that character out of the park every single week. She's going to make that show worth watching just on her own, not to mention the entire cast of that show who are all very, very good. Um, and then we've already, I've already sung the praises of Mira Furlan. Um, yeah, these are three really talented ladies that we are going to miss, but what a, what a giant catalog of work to celebrate uh, and to, to appreciate their, their, their abilities, their skills and their, their legacy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like going back to like Cicely Tyson is obviously Miss Jane Pittman's like a big touchstone for people our age because we all had to watch it in school at one point or another. Um, she's very good in the King uh, 
King, which is a TV miniseries where she plays Coretta Scott King. She's great in that. Um, and while I didn't see her in any of How to Get Away with Murder because I had stopped watching the show mm-hmm. by then, I'm sure she crushed it. Um, I cannot imagine her not crushing that. When that <laughs> casting was announced, I was like, they're bringing in, in Violet Davis's mom. Who are they going to? Cicely. Okay, yeah. No, yeah. that's the right choice. Well yes. done. <laughs> it is the correct choice. Um, but like Cloris Leachman, I have like a, probably like a stronger attachment to, um, in part because like Mary Tyler Moore show, mm-hmm. like just so great as Phyllis. I actually have never seen episodes of her spinoff mm-hmm. Phyllis. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's great as Phyllis on the Mary, Mary Tyler Moore show. She played, um, Queen Hippolyta in Wonder Woman one time mm-hmm. for the, like the movie, uh, pilot. And that was delight. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, Raising Hope introduced her to, like, a whole new generation of people. Um, and she's just so ridiculously funny on in everything. But she's really, really funny on, um, whatchamacallit, on Raising Hope. Um, and also, like, she was also on, like, Malcolm in the Middle a lot. Um, so she was just, like, here, there, and everywhere. And always really, really great. And so I, I've i always liked Cloris Leachman. Um, I mean, also can't forget she voiced old marceline kate <laughs> she was the voice of old marceline on adventure time so there's just she left both all three of these um folks left behind really significant filmographies that are worth digging into um and it's just nice happenstance that at least in mirror furlan's case you can go back and now watch babylon 5 over on hbo max um, with much better visuals like they recolor timed it and stuff compared to what was available previously yeah, recolor timed it, folks. If you're going to, when we say remastered, I want to be real clear that this is not the Star Wars special editions with upgraded special effects. Yeah. Because the effects are still going to look real bad. Um, <laughs> but that's not the point. <laughs> that's not the point. Trust me, it's not the point. And also, you just you just got to slog through the first season if you're going to start watching Babylon 5. Um, <laughs> maybe worth it, though. Worth it. But also, maybe... Just find a um, a big list of episodes from season one to watch. Mm-hmm. That aside, really strong um, presence across television and film and stage in some cases. And so, yeah, just huge losses. And I we should note that Leachman was 94. 94. And Cicely Tyson was 96. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. the correction. Uh, yeah. And it, it, I mean, especially... I feel like the a lot of I mean it probably depends on how you know these performers what you know mm-hmm. them for but I you know I think for each of them they are most known for uh, for most people for a thing yes um, because they did do such specific work um, and so like I, I I'm sure for a lot of people Cloris Leachman just is that kind of kooky grandma character. And Cicely Tyson is this um, just really just full of presence, dignified, dramatic performer. And Mira Furlan just either is Rousseau or is Delenn for people. But Mm -hmm. they had such tremendous range. Like the one I go to is Cloris Leachman, just because you only know her as kooky grandma. That is just one little facet of what she delivered in her wide and storied career. So seek out her other work um, and seek out, you know, I mean, obviously Cicely Tyson, obviously Mira, like all, all three of these women um, just had 
a lot of, of, of ability. And I think it also speaks to the fact that when I think of these performers, they're like, they, you know, they're go in and do the job, right. And not make it about them and not, you know, like show up, do the performance needed to, to elevate the, the project and then go and do the next thing, you know, as opposed to craft it around their star image. Right. And an example and an exception to that, of course, being when you bring Cicely Tyson as a guest spot to be, you know, the 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 mother character, Annalise's mother. Um, but it just it, I mean, I just think it's it really is tremendous there. Like that's what that's what stands out to me for these performers to have that kind of longevity and to have that kind of range and to just be always very good in everything that you've seen them do uh, for and for decades um yeah it's really impressive so yeah I, i know i will be spinning up some old favorites this this weekend as i as i honor you know and appreciate the work of these of these women yeah absolutely so I don't have anything else to add because you just really summarized everything really, really nicely just then. Remarkably talented women, and I'm grateful that we got the opportunity to see some of their work. Um, this week on the podcast, we are talking about a very different kind of work in our season spotlight, which is the second season of Blown Away, which is the glass blowing show on Netflix. Um, the uh, the the other bit of news we have, or not news, but feedback we have at the top was we were talking on Twitter this week with Vince about subs and dubs. And uh, I was so direct um, any listeners who are curious for that conversation over to our, our Twitter um, back and forth. If you look at the our mentions or, or the, um, the, you know, you'll, you'll be able to, to find it pretty quickly because uh, it was a really interesting conversation about the person. And, and Vince has a different perspective um, being, you know, being in Germany and, and growing up watching american tv and and the 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 role of dubs versus subs in how you're going to watch international tv um and it, as you're learning like learning english through watching american tv um and and the accessibility and that of various you know of like i think you guys were also talking about anime right for that as well yeah and that, well, how that yeah. really shapes your experience and relationship to dubs versus subs in mm-hmm. your watching and your viewing. So I thought that that was an interesting conversation. Um, and certainly uh, I appreciated uh, Vince's perspective on that. Yeah. It's one I'm always happy to have because um, within anime communities, the dub versus sub debate is something that just rages on and on and on and on and on and just won't die. Um, but it tends to ignore like larger cultural things, like the fact that most Americans don't grow up watching live action dubs. And that's part of the that's part of the reason why I'm very resistant t- towards them. But almost everywhere else in the world, you grow up watching live action dubs of things. <laughs> Just we don't we never really did in the U.S. Um, so yeah, no, it was really great for him for Vince to chime in. So thanks, Vince. Yeah. Um, well, we need to get to our week in TV because we got plenty of shows to talk about. So we're going to leave it there um, and take a break. Listen to a little more Amber Ruffin with <laughs> Bore Me Daddy talking about, you know, the, the past week has felt like. Uh, and we'll be right back after this. Some presidents take residence inside your brain. Their escapades leave you afraid and full of shame. But I insist those awful days are through. 
Yes, Biden, I've been waiting for you too. Bore me, daddy, bore me all night long. Bore me hard, bore me good. Bring one of your friends along too. Bore me, daddy, but don't make me beg. You know you've got just what I need. Joe Biden, bore my brains out. That was, again, Amber Ruffin singing Bore Me Daddy about uh, President Joe Biden um, on the Amber Ruffin Show. We're not going to be talking about the Amber Ruffin Show this week. We don't have much to say. But again, like, I appreciate I appreciate the musical numbers and that they're continuing to bring a, a lot of uh, cheery fun to the format. Uh, so, yeah, definitely enjoyed that one. We're going to kick off our week in TV here with Resident Alien, which had its premiere on the Sci-Fi Channel this week with the pilot. Then I checked in with the premiere of Charmed and Inconvenient Truth, uh, and also the premiere of Painting with John on HBO. Bob Ross was wrong. Uh, then we'll check in with uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, the RuPaul Mark channel. And uh, you know, if I have any thoughts on Drag Race UK, I'll, I'll throw those in as well. Before we go over to Batwoman, prior criminal history, and of course, WandaVision now in color. So first up is resident alien you were more excited about this than i was what did you think of this uh premiere um it is a show that i will definitely keep watching (laughs) and i will not try to judge myself for keeping (laughs) it um i mean alan tudyk's great in this but i would also expect him to be great in this because this is something that's very up his alley um it is a show that allows his particular blend a vocalization and physicality to really come to the forefront. Um, and I think without him, you would need a much different kind of actor to get this on top of like his star image playing a big part in how well we receive this character. The rest of the show is just kind of there. I don't know that large parts of it. Are, I don't, sorry. I feel like large parts of it are just really poorly written down to He's been watching TV for four months and he doesn't know what alcohol and hangovers are, but his vocabulary is excellent. Mm -hmm. Um, Apart from not knowing taint and douchebag, which I can kind of get okay depending on the type of TV he's been watching. Also, Um, I know it's been off the air for a while, but these characters are of, like, they're they're our age, right? Or or even maybe a little older. And he references Law and Order and then goes, dun dun, they know what that means. Why did they say, what's this done-done thing about? Like, if they were younger, I could see them not knowing that. But no, not these characters. Yep. So I think that there's just a lot of in-kind, not like super good writing on this. That's just kind of very inelegantly handled down to the fact of, yes, ethanol does affect a number number of organisms on this planet the exact same way it affects us. Not necessarily like in the inebriated, oh yeah, man, type of state, but it does impair inhibitions and leads to poor decision-making studies have demonstrated this. It's just kind of lazy that it does the same thing to an alien from a completely different planet. Mm -hmm. Um, But you want those jokes. You want those jokes. Um, So I'm going, like I said, I'm going to keep watching this because I really like Tudyk's performance and I really like his chemistry with with, um, uh, Sarah Tomko. Um, But I just, uh, it's just not super good, but I don't. I'm still going to watch it. So that's kind of how I feel about it is like, it's not super good, but I'm still going to watch it. Um, how, how did this pilot uh, arrive for you? 
Yeah, I think it's okay. Um, I think you're right that a lot depends on on Tudic and also your affinity for Tudic yes. and him doing very broad stuff. Um, and I think I mostly enjoyed it in this, but I could see it wearing thin um, if they're not careful. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. They're, they've just, they've made their t- task difficult for themselves by having him, the character crash land on Earth, murder someone, and and uh, and then like that's your starting off point. I also thought like talking about the writing, the way that it's the the x months later right months, thing or yeah. earlier yeah um structure for the pilot is not great and like mm-hmm. there are so many other more interesting ways they could have introduced and started this um that that's not a great you know in, a confidence inspiring move but um i do like the cast overall um oh and then they also have like the i think the comedy of like fish out of water like oh this was fun i solved the murder <laughs> I, I looked at a dead body and uh the, yeah oh yes no he did that i solved it this is fun okay do you have any more corpses like th- like that's the part that i think is really working when they go bigger than that it's a little i have more questions yeah i guess um having him like very focused on killing a child because the child can actually see him is you know another one of those things that's gonna you, you can project out where this is gonna go this is not he's not actually gonna kill the kid I don't yeah. think anybody thinks that's the kind of show that this is, but um, like they're having, I think, a, the right balance of fun with that, yes. uh, which is kind of tricky to navigate. So watching as he, like, you can also just kind of see where the season finale is, where like the rest of the fleet shows up and he's got to talk them out of actually destroying the planet or whatever. You know, spoiler however. alert, that's what he's here to do. <laughs> it's in like the trailers. It's in the log line. I don't feel bad about that one. Um. But like, there's there's gonna be something that we lead to in like the season finale in that sense, and you know, so so watching it, so that gives it the element of a puzzle box show, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're not trying to hide where this is probably headed, um, which can be fun. But yeah, I think a lot it would be a lot better. I would connect to it a lot more with some more creative writing and mm-hmm. with more interesting characters. The sheriff character oh. is. Yeah, it's not great. And I really like Alice Wetterland, um, who, of course, we, I mean, we we know from People of Earth. Uh, I really enjoyed her on People of Earth. I would like her to get something more interesting to play. So far, it doesn't seem like this character, who admittedly got like three lines um, in the first episode, is playing as much to her strengths as I would like um, from and having enjoyed her on podcasts and, you know, and as well as uh, other things, just like, we'll see, maybe they'll surprise me with that character. So I will probably stick with this for a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, it's certainly not a slam dunk. Like I might've hoped. Yeah. I think this is going to be something that's going to be really easy to um, cut the line on. Um, yeah. At like without really looking back, which is a shame because, like you said, I do like a number of these people in addition to Tudic and Tomko. Um, but the show just isn't fully there yet. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see. But yeah, I was a little, I was a little let down by this. Hmm. 
Um, Charmed came back for season three with their first episode. And you can also, just like with Batwoman, you can feel the COVID uh, so hard in how they filmed this. Uh, you know, most, like, they, they there's a detour to, like, basically a nocturnality kind of thing. Like, this, like, alley where you can buy anything that you need in the magical world, but your magic won't work there. And it's really dangerous and, like... There's a lot of like dark forbidden magics and stuff. Um, oh, but everybody's invisible, but they can see us. Oh, that's <laughs> like, that's really clever. That's actually that's that's almost as cl- that's that's almost as clever as Superstore just incorporating COVID to explain a lack of extras in the store. <laughs> yeah, and there like there's some stuff in here I appreciate with like uh, there's some subtext with the other, with the two other sisters about. Um, um, feeling like they're stuck in the house and they're never going to, cause they're like hiding and they're never going to be able to leave. And we're just going to be like great gardens in here. And like, I see what you're doing show. Uh, but I don't know that the, all of this cast has the range to really nail some of this. Uh, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of all of the sisters. I like some of them and <laughs> other ones. I have trouble with their performances. Uh, and like, yeah, this episode does not play to the strengths of some of the cast, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Uh, I do like what they do with, um, I think they set up some intriguing and fun stuff for the season. I like a pivot that they make with their truncated finale from last season. And what it seemed like they were doing with like the dark lighter, white lighter thing. Um, I expected that to go a different way than it did. And I think this way will give them a lot more to play with and also allow them to feature one of the more versatile members of their cast, um, which I think is, is smart. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm still watching. You are. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just figured I would check in because it's a premiere. This is another one where I could see myself getting like several episodes behind and waiting till like I'm invoicing or something to catch up with it um versus needing to watch it every week but certainly uh i think there is a lot to still enjoy if you're into like witchy shows right which is kind of why i guess while i'm still watching this it does scratch that itch uh for me better than say uh discovery of witches is at the moment um so which is not a good sign discovery of witches like you've got matthew good you should be way higher on my list than charmed and yet um hmm. listeners let me know how you feel about this uh next up is painting with john which had its premiere uh, bob ross was wrong and this one this premiere comes in at like 18 minutes um like without the credits mm-hmm. and and i i'm not quite sure how i feel about it yet oh no but no no it's just like it's just it's a very different tone than fishing with john because fishing with john is much more straightforwardly comedic Mm-hmm. And and much more of a straightforward like parody of a genre of of TV. This is just like reflections with a guy who as he paints, um, and and talks about things and ha- you know has ideas. And and actually, my favorite part of it was watching him painting. And you know, so I thought that like it was just really neat. I, I like <laughs> the title is from a, a great. Uh, a great little like moment one of my favorite moments of this premiere which is like yeah Rob Ross was wrong everyone cannot paint <laughs> that is not a thing that is true and he goes on later about how his he has absolutely no happy trees all of his trees are miserable um, so that gives you a sense of the personality and energy <laughs> of this show but there it's a good I think a good blend of silly and very chill um, 
And so it depends on how you respond to Lori's personality, I think, is how people will feel about it. I want to see more before I have too firm of an opinion on it. Uh, so, mm-hmm. but I will definitely keep watching. Sure. It, this feels like the kind of show that maybe I would uh, most appreciate if I could watch a few in a row kind of a thing. Um, I don't, we'll see. Maybe it'll sit in the back of my brain. Then as I watch the next one, that'll inform it. And then like, it'll marinate back there. That's very likely as well. Um, but yeah, it's, there's some interesting stuff, but there's some other stuff that I'm not sure how I feel about until I get more context, I think. Cause I'm not that familiar with Lurie and his work and his like deal, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to marinate with it a little bit and we'll see if I check in at the end of the season. There's only six episodes. So we'll see. Uh, next we have drag race and the rupaul mark channel which is the acting challenge um and there are several things we need to talk about sure um i'm very curious how you felt about this twist on the acting concept having them basically all have the same script mm-hmm. i thought was both delightful shade at hallmark channel yes and also a really effective way to gauge who is the strongest, like who's instead of saying like what they usually do is have one, one sort of see like through line. Like last time it was gaze anatomy, right? And if you got a character that actually did stuff, you are probably going to be okay. And if you got a character that had two lines, uh, you and probably were going to be and was in a coma. You were probably screwed. Um, and in this structure, instead, you end up with. Yes, you're one of the characters who only got three lines, but all three teams had characters who only got three lines. So how do you compare to your uh, fellow queens who were doing similar roles? Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel like that's a much more interesting and fair way to assess the performers and such. Um, so I'm curious how you thought about that. And then, of course, we we got to talk about the runway and we got to talk about the uh, lip sync. So let's start with the acting challenge. Uh, what did you think? Yeah, so I very fully agree with you that the way that they structured this challenge by giving everyone basically the same script, just tweaked enough for the premise, does exactly what you said. So that really kind of also helped to find different kinds of shading in those performances, both for the audience, but also for the judging. And so I think that that really rewards everyone. And it also really kind of helps, especially if you're like the last team to shoot, you get a really good sense of what you should and shouldn't do with whatever archetype you're basically saddled with. Um, so I think that it just kind of gave everyone just enough room while still keeping them really contained within that set of stuff. So I think it worked really, really well. And I really liked it as a structure. Um I do always really enjoy the acting challenges, especially when it's very sort of short scene based type stuff with a lot of direction from one of the judges. Like we get here in particular with having to watch Tamisha just get completely, completely ridiculous with every more woe as Ross is just trying to push her to find that right level. Whereas Kimura just can't find the line delivery for the tree puns, right? Um, So I really like how all of that works. One of the things I will say about the acting challenge, both in this, but also in in the past couple of seasons, and also really, really going forward, is I 
am no longer going to tolerate the judges complaining when they when the producers in the show have cast queens in their early to mid-20s for not knowing queer culture references that date back to the 1940s. Yeah. I'm just, I'm over it. I just, yeah. this this is on you. Queer culture is shifting. The history of it is different. And the accessibility of that culture is also different. So when they're complaining about Denali not getting a Beyond the Forest line reading correct, guess what? I don't believe that's a legitimate criticism. Well, or give them a reading list, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that there's a lot where you can just basically go, Tamisha's the only one that probably really fully knew what that reference was supposed to be, just based on age, but also just maybe based on overall culture. Like, maybe Denali just doesn't like Betty Davis, which is wrong. You should like Betty Davis. But... <laughs> Maybe they just don't like Betty Davis, and that's fine. I mean, I like Betty Davis, yeah, as one should. Uh, but like, there are plenty of her films that I still have not seen, including right. that one, yeah. right? And like, uh, friend, yet yeah, not yet friend of the show. We gotta have him on, Clint Worthington. Uh, we do just watch, right? How have we? I don't, I don't think we've had him on, unless I'm forgetting something. And if I am, I apologize, Clint. We've been doing this for a long, for 491 episodes. Um, but uh. Clint just watched, he was tweeting about just watching All About Eve, like, this last week. And he's a film critic with a fabulous website. Go mm-hmm. over and check out The Spool. Uh, and, like, and, and even for, he's like, yeah, I've been meaning to get to this one for forever. I just haven't. And, you know, he, you know, talked, tweeted about, you know, his reaction and everything. And so expecting that all of these queens, or enough that there would be people on each team. Yes. We're going to get all of these references. Was I, mean, I, th- I thought it was a bit too much, and and so I appreciated, like, because I didn't clock the we were rooting for, for you thing. I didn't clock the Tyra Bank, and I'm very familiar with that yeah. that meme and that like thing. But I didn't connect it. I just connected it to like the the tree puns. Um, and then when so like Ross like was like so Tyra, and then I was like, oh yeah, okay, got it. So I liked that they were actually helping out with some of that, but unless we they didn't show it, Ross did not tell denali about the betty davis line reading and like so maybe he didn't catch that one either we don't know i mean the man knows the man knows his references so that's unlikely it's super unlikely yeah but the point remains you know i like that they were that they were kind of catching up some of the queens with that stuff uh and i think that that is the way the the way to do it and like part of the things i've appreciated this season has been this uh like for example showing that tandy amon clip right last episode of of yes. her coming out from the ceiling into splits for i uh, i need a hero um and and talking about so talking about the, this example of a queen who uh is before the time of the show uh but absolutely would have been on at some point if she wanted yes. to had she survived uh until that point had she lived until that that, that long um so i liked this the sense of educating the audience and like and sharing some of these cultural touchstones um but the way to do that is to share that mm-hmm. right as opposed to scold people for not already knowing it yeah not why don't you know my references yeah yeah definitely 100% yeah yeah so i think that's and a- if there was more range of ages on the judging panel that would also help that yes. and 
right now, at least, there isn't as much. Right. I mean, you didn't... Like, Lonnie Love's not, like, a contemporary of, like... Oh, no. Rue and Michelle and even Ross, but probably knew or clocked that reference, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, they're a guest judge, and the guest judges feel a certain role. And yes. that role is not to push back on Rue and Michelle very much. Exactly. Right. Unless you're Joel McHale, and you're yeah. being a dick. Um, so, concentric circles <laughs> yeah exactly um, so I think that that's sort of the that's sort of my issue with like especially going forward with acting challenges like they need to calibrate expectations but this is also something that they have had an issue with as they continue to cast younger queens onto the show um, of like queer cultures how especially how some of these people absorb queer culture as well which is also not a monolith by any stretch of the imagination um is something that really needs to be calibrated in the judging putting that aside simone and rose were incredible in this and i could watch them all the time um in in the acting challenge um they're just simone in particular was just ridiculous um did anyone else stand out stand out for you in the acting challenge before we go to the runway stuff yeah i thought that tina was really good and i was confused as to why she didn't get a better edit Mm, in this i thought that she really nailed what she had Uh um and it was like it was very clear with like denali and simone and tina all got the same you know a blank where a blank ought to be yeah. and and seeing how the three of them delivered that. Right. And Simone, I won that, but Tina was right there with her. Uh, and I think I was, I was surprised that Candy was in the top, but Tina was not. Cause I didn't think Candy was all that much better than Tina. I just thought her character got more to do. Um, and I mean, I think I also I'm maybe I'm just not that big a fan of Candy yet. Yeah. But it takes more than a quick Mae West reference f- to get me on board <laughs> with. I, I mean, I was charmed by it. It's like, oh, OK, I see what you're doing. That's great. I appreciate it. Um, but then when especially with that look being so sloppy, I was like, I mean, Tina's look wasn't great. But why? I was I mean, and it feels like they know the show is rooting for her to make it far. Because yes. she's a personality. And yes. that's an important element of the show. Do not get me wrong. I am not saying that that is not a valid approach for them to take. But when they were, for me, it was a very clear, like, Simone and Rosé was very good. Because we saw her filming and she was uh, and she was terrific on stuff that didn't even make it into the cut. So yes. there was plenty more on the floor for her. And I'm guessing also for Simone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I thought Tina was also very good. And then Candy was fun. And that, and then everybody else was kind of in the middle or struggling. Yeah, everyone else was in the middle of struggling. Um, Candy claiming that role was really smart because it just meant that Candy could be Candy, basically, just with a rubber. It was chicken. the only role she was going to do particularly well with, I think. Yeah, exactly, and that's the thing is like it was very savvy, but also I need more from Candy because it's just. It's too, it's personality. That's what it is. It's just like, it's pure personality because I don't really like her runway look, um, which I think provides us like a transition into the runway looks, um, which I also did not like the theme for this runway. Do a train. And it's just like, cool. That's super basic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a pretty standard.
standard thing for for drag race though just being like yeah. the theme is sequins or yeah. polka dots or you know but i hear yeah. you and maybe like my other problem with it is apart from a couple of people simone um everyone kind of went relatively kind of safe with the idea of a train like there wasn't anything really inventive or cool apart from simone's durag train which just the entire look is great yeah but the durag train was just like chef's kiss beautiful perfect well that's the thing is like for me i thought the runway was actually pretty darn good there mm-hmm. was some there were definitely some weak points in the lineup but uh i wasn't i wasn't bothered as much by the very literal interpretation um but we start with denali who i thought looked amazing yeah i thought that was amazing Agreed. and uh then we had olivia who looked really good and it only mildly bothered me that she was talking about baroque but also mozart but also beethoven i'm like yeah no, no, you're no. a pianist we both we both clocked that and went those are not the same thing yeah, which are you Please doing? Correct Please yourself. Which are you doing? You're doing. Yeah. You're doing Mozart. <laughs> <laughs> that's what. That's what. That's what's happening here. Um, you're but, doing Amadeus uh, is what you're doing. Just it's fine. Yes, <laughs> you, if, if, especially if she had a pink wig, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then um, we had Elliot, who I thought looked fantastic. I mean, it's just a belted on train, but like, if you're gonna do a train like that, that's the volume you need, right? And then we had Kimura. Mm-hmm. absolutely stunning like yes. gorgeous 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 and then simone comes out and you go okay i didn't think anyone could top denali or kimura but simone like respects because you just you win <laughs> you just win this is yeah. ama- an amazing creative specific uh look with such a point of view and it's not like the other two don't have a a specific point of view because they absolutely do and yes. they also have specific cultural roots for both of those uh, performers as well uh and like that's not surprising that that is a thread connecting those three looks which are the best three looks um but the other the other looks i thought were fine to you know except candies candies that's actually that was originally her finale look she okay. says that she had a different look for the train that had like a 40 something yard long train that she decided not to use because it would be too hard to move in. And I'm like, but so you cannibalized your finale, like best drag look. And this is what you did. Skeptical eyebrow. Like why? Um, Also skeptical eyebrow. Got Mick. That was, that was her, uh, like uh, the, the sheer look that she brought because she also had a train conductor look. That she didn't use because she didn't want to step on. She didn't want to have the same thing as as Tina, though. Apparently, if you look them up, because she put it up on like Insta, it's actually way better um, than Tina's yeah. look was. Tina's uh, look is just not good. I like it, but it has problems. It has yeah. proportion issues, um, and like the smoke thingy with the, it has issues. Um, but I really like Lala's look. I really liked, I liked the idea of Joey's, just not the execution of some of it. I love the mm-hmm. tongue with the, the piercing. That was really yes. cool. Um, so I thought the runway was solid, but uh, I can see what you're saying about it being kind of basic with the exception, like just very on the nose. Even Tamisha's, I'm like, she looks fabulous, but that's not enough train for this. No, it is train. not. It is not enough train. Um, but the thing, like I said last week, is that Tamisha's use of old school drag carries like as if you execute old school drag well 
it's it's touchdowns all the way. Like it's always going to look good. Um, but no, I agree with everything else you said. Um, I did like Utica's Carol Burnett reference. I thought yes. that was really solid, but it was also just going to get lost in the shuffle, which is what happened. I was very confused why she thought that she was gonna should be in the top. Yeah, I was like really because like she's yeah. that in untucked. And like, yes, she made that look, but also I don't think of that look and think train. Right. No, that's the problem. I I don't think train either. And why that color hair should be red for Carol, right? And it didn't feel like it was playing with it. It felt like it was just a reference as opposed to a Utica twist on a reference. Right. Exactly. Um, So... Yeah, it's just it just didn't wow me. Um, And I think it was just generally sort of the inconsistency of it is that you've got three really great looks and then everyone else is kind of it's okay. Well, Um, and two of those three great looks are in the bottom and then lip syncing. So we got to lip sync. Yeah. So, yeah, let's talk about that. Um, I just I felt a like this was great. Like Denali just. Ridiculous performance. Just she just just she's like I know Lala was the 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 snake, but uh, she just unhinged her jaw and swallowed Kamora. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, Kamora knew it was coming too, right? She's like, yeah. Her 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 train takes. Can, she can take off her train. I can't take off mine. She will win. Yeah, no, and you can see that very even before the lip sync starts. Is that Kamora's like, I can't move in this. Mm-hmm. Um. So. And I haven't figured out a physicality performance for this very physical song that works in this outfit. And this outfit also probably cost a fortune. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. I'm not going to break it anymore. I'm not breaking this. Well, but also because, like, she also knows Denali, right? Because they're both Chicago queens. Um, She's definitely familiar with her performance. Like, this is a song that is going to suit Denali. With yes. her, you know, background as an athlete and dancer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, much more than it is going to sue Kimura, even if so. Like, even if she destroys this gown that's so beautiful and that she spent all that money on, uh, and that she can wear again and again and again and again, she still probably is not likely to beat Denali in Denali's ballpark, right? Which is where what this song is. So she like she just knew going into it and she's like i'm just gonna do my best i'm gonna move some she, it's not a charlie hyde she actually is trying she's actually serving face she's she's moving a little bit right she just knows that she's gonna lose and um it's hard yes it's hard it's not an even matchup in the most exciting lip syncs are when both queens are just destroying but i don't really care because denali's so damn good watching the queens get into it did you did you catch the um uh, the the knife to the throat to the other queens in the middle of yes. the lip sync. Oh, yeah. it was great. Yeah. No, it was it was a terrific lip sync um, in terms of Denali's performance. It's just brutal to watch. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was absolutely like that's the part of the episode that and Simone's look are the yes. two parts that linger on. And those are two uh, definite highlights. So I'm, I'm looking forward to what comes next. Uh, I have seen the next episode i won't say anything about it i will say that there's another strong lip sync in the next episode uh and i'm excited for what's gonna what for for what the season may be they made sure they cast lip sync queens this season definitely so i'm curious to see what's gonna happen next so 
Uh, any other thoughts? No. Um, do you have any thoughts about Drag Race UK, though, for this week? Uh, Rats the Rusical, uh, which is I wouldn't have pegged as a Rusical idea, but why not rats instead of cats? Um, they make them all sing live, which is mean. <laughs> um, mm, that is mean. But they, they more or less do a pretty good job. So, and uh, I mean, like, considering that they are not singers first and foremost, there is apparently much more of a tradition in UK drag of Queen singing live than like okay. lip syncing, which I thought mm-hmm. which I think is an interesting, like, just difference between American drag and UK drag, uh, at least. And, and I, yes, I've been covering the show for a while, but I still am such a novice in this area. Um, so that's my, that's my understanding. Please let me know listeners on Twitter if I'm misstating anything there. Um, but that I thought that the surprise, surprise, surprise runway looks were wanting. There was a few that, that, that worked because they had to, you know, go from one look to another look. And a few queens did the, I took off a coat. And like, that's not, it's not a reveal. That's not a surprise. If you walk out and you're in a bag and then you take off the bag, I'm not surprised that your look changed. Um, so that was underwhelming. But uh, but I did enjoy this one. I am enjoying these queens. It was another elimination I did not anticipate. Um, and yeah, but like the, 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 the lip sync song was Memory from cats which is such a different way for them to go i kind of appreciated that um though i kind of want to rewatch it because people were really raving over the queen who won and to me it was it wasn't that much of a blowout but i was also doing something else while i watched so i think i need to rewatch the lip sync and give it my full attention um but i i, I appreciate when drag race does just like be like no we're going for the st- the, the park and bark and sell emotion on your face lip sync not just the stunts not just the the you know are you how many dips are you gonna do you know so i appreciated that um let's go on to batwoman and prior criminal history how are they doing with you know incorporating ryan and getting her back in the suit yeah so i think that this episode generally works okay um it's really exposition heavy because we were bound to get that anyway just because we needed to do a lot in the premiere to have kate off the show um, and out of the narrative. Um, so I think doing like a little, this even more so, I think, than the previous episode is a much harder reset. Um, since that previous episode is a lot of like deck clearing of everything got mucked up with Ruby Rose deciding to leave. So, all right, shift things around. Here's what we're going to do. Um, and that really kind of comes through in this episode as we really kind of set up Sophia, which all feels very League of Assassins, but not League of Assassins. <laughs> um, and also, like you said, uh, gets Ryan more fully in the suit. And I think generally the tension of watching Mary and Luke navigate protecting that idea of Batwoman is really well done. Um, even if the episode overall doesn't maybe do enough with it, because it really just boils down to Luke being like, Batwoman has a code. And it's like, Kate was Batwoman for like eight months, Luke. Uh, <laughs> let's pump the yeah. brakes on it's a- more le- Batman has a code than anything else, Yeah, right? let's pump the brakes on the legacy aspect real, real quick. Um, mm-hmm. But enough of an impact made between- Doing that cover, doing that magazine cover with um, Kara last season. And like, there are elements that are legacy-ish, but it's like, 
Code and Legacy are heavy things to throw around because this is really just a Bat Family thing, unless you're like Jason Todd. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think that generally it's kind of fine. Um, but the ways in which that they're making sure that they can keep Alice in the fold through this, I also think generally work kind of well as well. Um, so I think it's fine. Um, I am still, I am actually really liking Ryan. And I think that their use of some of her more awareness of the city as someone who doesn't, comes from her background of not having a great deal of money, not having a great deal of influence, um, really kind of pays off in better ways in this episode than it did in the last episode, like with that really long kind of weird speech about the with all the numbers and everything but identifying a homeless encampment instead of doing that i yeah. think is much more interesting and much more telling um about who, i love that yeah exactly yeah. it's it's much it's much more efficient it's much more elegant and it says more about ryan to us than that really didactic speech does which feels just off of what they're writing ryan as Whereas acknowledging that there's a homeless camp there is exactly what Ryan would know, right? That makes more sense to me. So I think that they're doing a good job of fleshing out Ryan here, even if, Kate, I need them to stop having letters from Kate or journals from Kate mm-hmm. <laughs> and having other people read them because that just feels a little shady. It feels just a little shady. Um, it's distracting because it's such a staple. It's such like a trope thing. And and also, you know, I've talked about a little bit. Uh, my my parents are working their way through elementary, and like they even managed to get Natalie Dormer on the phone for that a few times, right? right? Exactly. After she was like way too famous to come back. Um. So when when it's not when it's not uh, Ruby Rose, it's it, it feels really jarring, and it undercuts the like the significance of that. Yes, absolutely. So um, that's kind of how I'm feeling about it. Um, I do appreciate how goofy the whole poisonous bat thing is like it's very very goofy and i'm kind of okay with it um mainly because i would rather this show be a little goofy than just do a series of kind of dull villains of villain of the week kind of stuff which is kind of their was their problem last year when they weren't doing alice stuff their villain of the week was never particularly good so if they want to do goofy alice stuff I'm down for that. Um, so that's kind of how I felt about prior criminal history. How did you feel about this? Yeah, I don't really have much to add. Um, I, I'm i very much waiting for Ryan to get her own bat wig. Yeah, yeah, me too. They're... They're styling it differently, but but yeah, but no, like in some, there's been some promo images that have her with uh like a red, like more natural look, mm-hmm. right, with red streaks in black, right, and more like curled, more of more of a natural hair look, and like because it just looks so, and I think that's the yeah. point. That's why they have her in that same way. It's like doesn't this isn't you know, so it'll be a moment of coming into her own as Batwoman. I'm sure is what they're saving yes. it for. But um, I like the team playing dumb um i like uh Dougar scott Dougar scott um and just like being such a tick um to but i feel like it's not necessarily in character given his like the his losses uh-huh. right at first his wife and now kate that he would push so hard on mary and be so abrasive towards mary um and also all everything with beth like they have not earned a relationship with mary and him at all and that's that's not good um 
So I think they, they've got some recalibrating to do with that character. I don't know if they will. I don't, I don't get the sense that the show realizes that they have a problem yeah. there. And that's, that's disappointing. a good point. Um, the, I like that we did get a reason for why did they bring back the actor uh, for Ozzy. And they're like, no, 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 we're going to, we'll, we'll have him be alive. <laughs> He'll get a, one more line of dialogue. Uh, unless that was a previous existing clip. I didn't remember. I don't think it was. I don't think it was. I, I think it was yeah. new. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to what comes next. I like the um, some of the strain between the characters who knew and didn't know about Kate's identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just they're, I like that they're finding ways to give Mary more to do. Like, again, like they recognized, oh, we've got a goldmine here with Alice and with this performer specifically. Uh, so let's take advantage of it. This feel, this season feels like like them realizing, oh, we've got a lot that we can do here with Mary and with this performer specifically. So let's really take advantage, you know, like, you know, lemons into lemonade, this situation and, and raise her profile on the show, give her a lot more to do. So um, yeah, we'll see what comes next. I'm still a bit underwhelmed from what I would yes. like to see mostly perf- from the writing yes. um, as opposed to from the performance. Yeah. And I think that's fair. And I think your point about uh, the Mary and Alice dynamic is really good. And this episode does a really good job of really establishing that groundwork as watching Alice just kind of go stepsister and like, I can work with yeah, that. Yeah, I, I can work with this as, an, as a new focal point for my psychosis. This will work for me. It won't be the same, but I can make it work. And I like that idea of a concept, both because it helps also to keep Alice in the fold in a different way from Ryan wants to kill her to just you get the two kind of the two most dynamic performers now constantly working in scenes with one another and at cross purposes as characters. So it's the best choice um, for them to make as part of their recalibration. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, well, from that point of recalibration, let's talk about WandaVision and now in color, which is their sort of Brady Bunch ish yeah. uh, episode. Um, and I'm sure people are very excited about the end of the episode where we get like a peek outside of whatever's Westview, happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But but frankly, I don't care. I'm just more what we were interested in what's happening inside. They can stay in sitcom land a lot longer for my taste because I really enjoyed everything we get here and the pacing, I think, of how they're like showing their hand of who knows where, what's going on and who doesn't um, so far has been pretty good. Um, I thought that they. Like the stuff of how much does what's the character's name in this episode like? foxy or roxy like the rambo oh um, <laughs> right no it's, i think it's still geraldine isn't it it's well the, the it calls her geraldine and she goes oh no just call me and then it's like a 70s oh yeah like, yeah name. i think it's i think it's i think it's foxy but i can't remember anyway go on uh because like oh no we've updated the, the decade we've changed the sitcom right. so i need a new name um i thought that was, i'm really enjoying her performance and i don't need to get the other stuff yet mm-hmm. um just watching you know with the birth of the twins which is apparently something from comics uh you know i'm not familiar with that it's a very complicated thing from the comics <laughs> <laughs> um but like triggering into like the sokovian lullaby and mentions of of pietro and like and I thought that all worked really well and was well paced and again matched the eerie moments in the earlier episodes. 
uh, to a T. So I, I'm I'm still very much enjoying this. I'm, I'm like the stuff we get with Vision is terrific, um, and how they are playing with these charms. I've seen still more people talking about like this. Watching WandaVision inspired me to go back and watch the shows that this was inspired by. And guys, they're better. It's like, yeah, he, this is doing something different. Yeah. So watch the Mary Tyler Moore show. Watch the Dick Van Dyke show. Watch Bewitched. Watch these other shows to be that. And then appreciate how this show, it's not, it's like, these are really interesting uh, choices that the show is making. But it's not one of the all-time best sitcoms ever. Oh no! <laughs> for me, I don't know. For me, that is—it's like oh, I, I enjoy this hangout comedy, but it's not Cheers. It's like okay, yeah, but nothing's going to be <laughs> most, Cheers. Most shows aren't Cheers, right? That's okay. Um, and this is doing its own thing, and I'm uh, I'm certainly along for the ride and really enjoying it, especially as episode three out of nine. And who knows that? I mean, I don't anticipate we'll get a season two. So for me it's pacing along really well and having a lot of fun along the way. Uh, how did this episode work for you? Yeah, I think this episode is also really good. Um I think aesthetically the episode's very much off from its c- cultural reference. Um mm-hmm. it's hard to get that kind of 70s cultural um 70s um what call it? um color saturation correct now um just from like a lighting perspective but also you're not shooting on film. Um, you're shooting on digital, which also makes black and white weird, but neither here nor there, and I don't want to beat that horse. But also even just staging of action is off for a 70s single, single, uh, a single camp sitcom, which by the way, mm-hmm. single camp sitcoms existed in the 70s, everyone. Um, they, mm-hmm. weren't, they weren't invented by The Office. Um, <laughs> it's weird, right? It's weird. Um, but that kind of aesthetic, um, that lack of aesthetics aside, I think that this episode is, as you said, just really great in terms of hitting those kind of creepier moments. Like when there's that break of Geraldine being like, wait, your brother got killed by Eltron. Is that right? And just watching all of that kind of start to crumble um, is very much like in the premiere episode with the choking and everything. And stop it. Stop it. Stop it. And just watching all of how that happens, I think, works really well to up that creepiness factor, which is a little less present in the Bewitched and the in the Bewitched episode, but is much more full force here, which I really, really like. Um, that being said, the scene with Vision and the neighbors is way too drawn out in how it's played. Um, that it just kind of sucks a lot of the tension out of the scene because we're coming back and forth too much, but we're also, when we cut back to that scene, we're still not getting anything. Um, so it just, it, it feels like a placeholder really. And it's very, very frustrating. Um, but the rest of the episode generally makes up for it. And one of the things I do want to like bring up real quickly, and this is something that Alan Seppenwall pointed out in his review of the episode is that Vision does not have super speed as one of his base powers. And yet he has it here. Isn't that interesting? Maybe we should think about that a little bit and how that relates to her brother. Um, Mm -hmm. and the ways in which these, everything's kind of getting amalgamated a little bit. And I didn't pick up on that either when it happened in the episode because I was just delighted by the concept. But yeah, Vision, Super Speed is not one of Vision's powers. He's got a bunch of powers, don't get me wrong, but Super Speed's not one of them. Um, So that was really interesting when he pointed that out. And I just went, yeah, I didn't think about that. 
and we're going to talk about we're going to talk about Pietro in this episode as well. Yeah, interesting how all of that worked, and they were twins. How about that? Mm-hmm. Um, but the episode still has like lots of really kind of fun stuff, like Kate the Stork stuff. Just <laughs> great, like oh, so good, pure, wonderful pre eighties esque sitcom shenanigans, but also. Not pre-80s, because plenty of this kind of stuff happened like, Full House and, like, the TGIF sitcoms all the time. But it was very popular in the, in the late 60s and throughout the 70s of doing this kind of stuff. Um, and it's just really, really funny. Um, just watching the stork go, yeah, your magic doesn't work on me. Because I am <laughs> the magic. Um, so that was really great. Like you, I don't care about the stuff that's happening outside of Westview. It just means that we're getting closer to filling in the bigger MCU blanks that I don't care about right now. The rest of the show is very good. So I'm excited to see what decade we get to go into next because I'm assuming it's the 80s and we're going to get something. Um, But I'm also excited because they have given us nothing about what happens after the eighties. And aside from Elizabeth Olsen being confirming that they do stuff in the nineties at the very least. Um, yeah. So I'm just like, I'm, I'm hearing rumblings of full house. Yeah, no, the there's 90s. definitely full house. Cause you can't have Elizabeth Olsen in this kind yeah. of show and not do full house. Um, <laughs> because how could you not? Um, but yeah, we definitely get a full house at the very least. So I'm really curious about how all of that gets transitioning, but I'm also just like, are we going to get Modern Family? Please give us Modern Family. Please. Please. I don't think we will, but please. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting, like, because with these older decades, right, there's enough time yeah. that they can really, um, there there are a few that have, that are the touch points. Uh-huh. And as we get closer to where we're at now, there's more discussion of what is the touch point, right? What is the show? Yeah. Um, for that decade. So it'll be interesting to see what they do for the aughts. And the other thing is, is that for, especially for like the nineties and aughts, while there are definitely like big family sitcoms, like very specifically, like everybody loves Raymond, um, mm-hmm. and modern family, the family based sitcom really faded away or became less prevalent or less defining, um, particularly by the late 70s and into the 80s, as the Hangouts sitcom really kind of came to the forefront um, and then got continuously recalibrated over time and then Friends, naturally. Um, so that's going to be also really something interesting to watch them navigate of the ways in which the family sitcom functions going forward and becomes a what is the family's sitcom cultural touchstone for that particular decade. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do next. Um, and just I'm very much, I'm I just I, I'm in the bag for this one. Yeah. And this is again my favorite thing I watched on TV this week is WandaVision. <laughs> what when you're working TV? Well, I think that we should give a quick shout out to hopefully not the end of Poor Sweet George on Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Um, yeah, Harvey Guillen got his uh, his Britney moment. His Britney moment, and it was so good. It was so good. <laughs> Um, but hopefully he'll be back in some capacity. I really want him back. Um, but also if he had to go do something else, I very much understand. Um, but it's such a delight to have him. Um, but yes, WandaVision also won my week in TV. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now we'll take a break and listen to a trailer and come back to talk about season two of Netflix's Blown Away. Hundreds upon hundreds of glass blowers from around the globe wanted to be right here 
right now. We're back at North America's largest hotshot to watch 10 exceptional artists push themselves to creative extremes. I'm not comfortable being middle of the pack. I want to either be number one or I want to be eliminated. Battling the clock. 11 minutes! In the sweltering heat. The glory hole is so hot. I'm starting to feel a bit nauseous and dizzy. If they can survive our fiery competition, they'll win a life-changing prize package that will establish them around the globe as best in glass. So you have one shot and that's it. For every challenge, we'll bring in a special guest evaluator. Hello. All right, glass blowers, your time starts now. I sacrificed so much, you know, I sacrificed relationships. Did he not get the memo? I mean, the colors don't help. I am here to take my career to the next level. And with great risk comes great reward. The competition is pretty intense. There's a lot on the line. I feel like people really rose to the challenge. During this competition, you're going to get tired, frustrated. Uh. Glass will shatter. Oh, God. Swap. Swap. There's only 30 minutes left. Go. Oh, my God. I'm running out of time. That was the trailer for season two of Netflix's Blown Away, which is their uh, competitive glass blowing uh, show. Uh, and we we talked about and enjoyed season one uh, back when it was on and wondering what was happening with season two. We got our, we got our answer when it dropped this week um, on Netflix. And I'm curious what your experience was watching this. I, I binged this over just a few days and again was just so appreciative of the half hour format. More of these reality competition shows should do a half hour format. Um, I, I have frustrations with parts mm-hmm. with elements of the season. Um, and they are, I, I was also very happily surprised by what happens in the second to last episode. So I guess we'll leave some space in case people don't want to be spoiled. Um, but I thought that there was a lot of really interesting choices in the casting this season, which I appreciated. Um, I particularly appreciated making it a priority to have a much closer to gender balanced uh, cast in a, in a field of glass blowing that is very male dominated. Um, and so, so I appreciated that. Um, I liked some of these challenges um, I have question marks about some of the choices with who was eliminated and when, and I, I want more. If they do another season, I want more clarity on what the rubric is. Um, because it sure does like the heavy, there was a heavy hand of the producer in a few of the choices this season. And that was frustrating, but in general, I enjoyed it. I, I liked, you know, again, the creativity of the different artists. I felt like there was a wide range of perspectives on some of these different challenges and ideas. Um, and so I, I very much enjoyed season two. Yeah. I enjoyed season two as well. Um, like you, I really appreciate the half hour format of this, but it also, I think is a tacit admission that, as interesting as this show can be, it also can't fill an hour. Yeah. Because there's just not enough visually that you can do of them making the stuff without it getting really repetitive. It's very cinematic with all because there's fire everywhere and there's there's yeah. movement and there's they're, they're all working. It's a physically very demanding thing yeah. that they do. There's a fan somewhere that keeps blowing on them at just the right time. It's really well. They keep <laughs> drinking. You can, they're constantly replenishing their yeah. water, right? But I'm like, they need some Gatorade. 
when do yeah. they take a lunch break? Because they, you know, that they they need to eat something uh, uh-huh. at some point, or especially in the last episode when they have eight hours. Uh, yes. It's like an eight hour day. Uh, but um, but yes, it is. The process is very repetitive, and and even if you're making very different types of things, it looks the process looks similar, uh, especially when they don't want to tip the hand of what the final like project is they don't want you to exactly. like, see ahead of time right which allows like as you kind of said when i was uh like oh right i need to start watching this and you were just like you can also just kind of watch it in the background and then tune in for like the last five minutes mm-hmm. um and that's very much what the show kind of operates on is like you can kind of get a little bit of pleasure from whomever the guest evaluator is depending on who the guest evaluator is bobby was great um but i think that the um that the format and the nature of the creation of the the installations kind of limits what you can really kind of get out of the episode until you get to see it. Um, particularly with this group that either on a production level they made a they made a conscious decision to show fewer breaks, or this group just had fewer breaks. My guess is that it was a production decision just to show fewer breaks because. Th- Everyone always did pretty well despite any breaks. Um, so it just never seemed like that big of a dramatic thing. And there's a lot of creative editing in this show in terms of the timeline of things. Yes. yes. Um, which is the other kind of like technical issue I have with the show is just in this season in particular, the ti- the timeline of you have an hour left. By the way, we're going to do these artist interviews that we did when you have three hours left, but we're going to slot it in right here um, is makes the whole thing very squishy, um, which adds to the, you don't need to pay super close attention to much of anything until everyone's done, <laughs> um, which is a fail, which is a failing, but also a bonus because it means that you can really watch the show very quickly. Um, and, but still get the really, Oh, that's real cool. When you get to see the stuff. Yeah, the, there's a real sense of the reveal, and you can. Yeah, it's one of the. I mean, when you get to the second to last challenge, and they have to make the the theme of that is fire. You that's the first time that I felt like there was a sense of I'm not seeing what the judges are seeing, like yeah. the camera is not capturing what they are describing, um, just by the interplay of the light with the various pieces. Mm-hmm. But for you know, compared to other reality competition stuff that you watch i guess maybe making it a similar where you feel like you can appreciate it at a, at a pretty high level compared to like what would be in person that the light hits the te- like the texture of the crafts would probably add something you don't fully appreciate watching but as compared to like a food show right where you can't taste it and uh it may look really cool but it looks way cooler in person than it does on TV. You know what I mean? Uh, this, the, they really do capture the, the reveal of all that very well, very effectively. And the pacing of that, I think is they've gotten pretty finely honed at this point. Um, yes. So I, that's something that I certainly, you know, I, I was always excited when it was time for the reveal and they walked through and described each of the pieces and what they were thinking. And you would watch it go like, Oh yeah, I totally get it. Or like, I don't really okay. <laughs> um, uh, but I thought that this season I I don't know. It's been a while since I watched the first season. It, to me the overall level seemed like it was higher this season. Um I don't know if that's the case or just like I was impressed by these 
these artists and i don't remember the last season as well just because it's been a while um what did you think of the overall level i i do agree though like it's kind of fuzzy because the last season for us aired in 2019 so mm-hmm. there was a whole year off between seasons um which makes it kind of difficult to remember um what they did in the first season um even though i was also like hey i know that guy <laughs> referring to alex rosenberg who comes in for the first um first episode as one of the guest evaluators um that i was just like yeah no i know that guy he was in the first season cool all right <laughs> um even though he didn't win but spoiler sorry um <laughs> but i recognized him so yeah no i can't remember but i do agree with you that i think there's a better consistency and i think some of that just benefits from maybe these people had watched the show and kind of had a better idea of what to expect and calibrated what they were going to present based on what they had seen of the previous season um and i think that makes a big difference um but i think also to your point earlier is that the casting for this season um, provides a little bit more variety in terms of skill level and background in terms of their familiarity with class, but also how they what they do with class. So having a guy who's predominantly like a fire guy who had to be so upset. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that that also helped give a little bit of variety to how they talked about everything and i thought that was really important well and also opening it to an international set of you know people who could who could apply of applicants right um i'm Mm -hmm. curious how that would like how that would shape for example something like um the was it skin wars the body painting one Mm -hmm. right because there are there are only so many communities like there are certain areas that are more hot spots for certain crafts and things Based on, yes. like, you know, so, and yes. so then you get more, um, because of that, it's not as, as wise. It sounds like everyone cooks in their own kitchen across the country. You know, it's a, there are certain points of view that are going to be more linked to certain areas and styles. And there's going to be fewer of those if you're limiting yourself to just the United States. And if you open it up to an international audience that, you know, I think I'm not surprised that it felt like there was more range when they opened it up. Yeah. And I mean, not like a huge, huge degree range. Um, no, now, no, nobody's doing anything um, too avant-garde. They didn't, they didn't yeah. cast those people <laughs> or yes, those people no, didn't apply. Did not. Yeah. Also that. Um, so even though there's definitely with at least one of the contestants this week um, in this season, there's definitely a much more of a, uh, what should I call it? Much more of a philosophy behind what he did and I'm talking about Chris here. Um, whereas in the previous season, they cast a number of artists who had very clear philosophical underpinnings to what their art was. And that gets scaled back this season, uh, which I think is generally okay, even though I really do like hearing artists talk about their art. Um, but the ways in which it gets framed in this season in particular through Chris is not great. <laughs> well, and that's maybe a great time to go into our spoilery chat. So, yes, um, listeners, I enjoyed it. If if you like if you like season one, you like season two, I think. And yes. if you didn't like season one, I don't know why you're listening. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, check out a couple episodes. They go really quick. Like we said, half hour. So you'll know whether this is for you pretty quickly. Uh, Noel, any other final spoiler free thoughts? 
I mean, you can also just watch season two instead of watching season one. But I mean, yeah. both seasons are good. So there's no reason to not do that. Anyway, so yeah, spoilers. Let's go. Because we need to uh, talk about Chris. You talk about Chris. <laughs> and so my theory is that Chris was eliminated when he was because they didn't want him to win. Yes, and I agree. And he, like, because there was the second to last episode, there was one good one, which won. There were two bad ones. There were bad concepts. Like, I mean, I guess, I guess Kat's concept was okay, but just very poorly executed. Like when, when are we talking about the, which one are, were we talking about the fashion one or the fire one? The fire one. Okay. Because like the internal structure went all sorts of different shapes and directions. And then the external, which was the colors only went in spirals and that's not gonna, what are you yeah and then then having chris do i made springs why why did you make springs why are springs fire what is happening what is yeah so i was very surprised that he was eliminated in that one because hers i thought neither was good in my opinion and that's why i'm wondering Mm -hmm. how much different it looked in person um but his showed more technique um his does show more technique but i liked cats much more i think they were just over his bs because uh it was just very frustrating all season because there were at least two other times where he just didn't fill the brief and they were like but you're kind of famous so we're gonna keep you on yes it's really yeah um so i disagree with you about the fire thing i think that he definitely should have gone home for the fire thing because I very I agree that what Kat did doesn't show a great deal of technique, but the color gradient and also I'm assuming like what you were talking about with like the lighting, which is very difficult for them to capture on film, seemed much more impressive. Whereas his deconstructed fire thing was just stupid. Like the spring thing was cool in terms of I didn't know glass could do that. That's yeah. neat. Yeah. I don't know why this is here, but also deconstructed fire. You just did color. This isn't this isn't a thing. And I actually got really excited when he was just like, I'm going to do a campfire. And I was just like, oh, you're going to do something really kind of figurative. Because as much as I am very upset, he did not get eliminated in episode three because he should have been eliminated. He should have been eliminated. He didn't um, make a card. He, oh, God. His pencils looked amazing. Right. And that's the thing is those pencils looked great. And his campfire would have looked amazing. I feel like if he had actually stuck to that, but he should have been eliminated as soon as episode three, because he didn't follow the brief. Like that's just, that's, that's the thing is he didn't follow the brief. You're not better than the brief. Yeah. And also, I mean, I know that they're giving him an edit and he may be willingly participating in that edit, but saying things like, I didn't come here to do googly eyes. I don't do googly eyes. Buddy, no okay. one is above googly eyes. You're not above also, googly eyes. But also, okay, then it's fine. Well, then bye. Like three other people didn't do googly eyes. You're not better than them either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's just, oh, God, I had I had no space for it. And, like, and I thought, obviously, he has tremendous technique. But yes. um, I, I, would, I don't have much patience for people who go on reality shows, especially if it's the first season, like in the first season, Top Chef, Harold going like, 
are you freaking kidding me with this microwave challenge? Like, he didn't know what the show was. It right. was the first season, right? But once yes. there's already a first season, you don't get to go on a reality show and then think you're better than that reality show. Yes, correct. Right? Yeah. You don't get to go on Drag Race at this point and be like, no, I'm just not gonna... I, I, like, like, I don't lip sync. It's like, okay, then if you are ever in the bottom, you're going home. That's how yes. this show works. And you you know what you signed up for. And also, you are not... Like, all these other people are finding a way to, to, to express themselves through the brief. Yes. You are not better than them. They are not sellouts for doing what we've asked of them. Yes. And so, yeah, I just... I get very frustrated with yeah. that. <laughs> and having it repeated later in episode five where he makes this beautiful and legitimately really beautiful like vase centerpiece type of thing, which is very cool. And I would love to have like that in my house if I didn't think it would break immediately. But it, it should have been eliminated then as well because that's not a dinner table centerpiece because you can't you literally can't talk to anyone across the table if it's in front of you. Um, but yet he didn't go home for that either. And very much like you feel the producers being like, he's famous. And also, folks, he's got a really great story, everyone. Mm-hmm. We're just waiting for it to be revealed. <laughs> um, which also feels overly produced. Like, I feel for the man's loss in any number of ways, particularly given the timing of it when his father died like right before he came on the show um and you can retroactively you get start to see how that kind of seeped into his work prior to us knowing about it but it just feels so overly produced in how the show structures everything that it's just like buddy folks no Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I felt about Chris. So it just ends up feeling really produced. And so I was really relieved when he went home, but it also meant that the conclusion of the finale was a foregone conclusion because there was no way that Elliot was not going to win yeah. after winning four of these challenges, which is ridiculous. Um, even though generally I much more prefer Kat's aesthetic and approach, but um, there was no way Elliot wasn't going to win. <laughs> yeah, no, that was not going to happen. Um, I actually really like Now. Um, I was surprised yeah, I did too. when she was eliminated. Uh, and I also liked Andy. And I, there were a few times that I thought that she, you know, she feels to me like a perennial second or third place um, mm-hmm. in her. Like, there were weeks that she missed. But in the weeks that she did well, somebody else just did a little better. Um is, is sort of how I felt. Uh, at least that's the narrative they were selling for her, um, which was too bad because she didn't get a single win. And like in nope. the first episodes, you feel like, oh, it's going to be Andy versus Chris. And it's like, nope, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of that with Andy at the very least is that for me, she never really kind of broke through her particular style in mm-hmm. any way. Yeah. Um, and they weren't connecting to it. Yeah. Yeah. You could always tell which piece was hers off the bat which is great for an artist as like creating a brand but also that you're really consistent to your point of view and your approach and your style um but if you don't stretch yourself enough um because i looked at those megaphones and went those are pretty impressive but also they kind of look like your dishware Mm -hmm. in terms of like the 
the color, in terms of the finish, in terms of just the general aesthetic of them, they looked very much like her plates, which were also very good. But I never really felt like a sense of adventure or inspiration. And I think that just ultimately like really got in her way. Yeah. Um, did you have any other, you know, pieces that stood out that you enjoyed or, or challenges or, or other artists you wanted to mention before? Right. Um, let's see. I did really enjoy the perfume bottle and the ways in which everyone just kind of went, oh, I don't know, (laughs) with the perfume bottle. I thought that was pretty solid. Um, but my partner and I were both just delighted by, um, Stephen Weatherly, um, from the uh, Carolina Panther showing up. Um, Mm -hmm. neither of us know him from Adam, but he was so excited to be there. Yeah. Um, and it just really was really delightful to have him there and just be like, just be like a big nerd about being surrounded by all these glass blowers of him himself as an amateur glass blower. But then to watch him go through the evaluation period and just make all these really astute points. And you can tell <laughs> that the, the main, the main recurring evaluator, um, oh goodness, what's her name? Catherine Gray just seems kind of surprised. Just kind of charmed. Be like, yeah, that is a good point. That, oh, yeah, that is a great point. Um, because I have to deal with this guy referring to Uhas uh, all the time, and sometimes his points aren't always correct. <laughs> Yours are really spot on, and you're only like twenty five. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I think Stephen uh, Stephen Weatherly popping up. I really like that episode. Um, and yeah, and yeah, who of the other artists? Um, yeah, no, I really like now as well. Um, and. Yeah, that you mentioned now, so now's the now would have been the one I would have mentioned. Uh, what about you? Anything else particularly stand out? No, I just you know like I really liked some of the different pieces and what they were able. To, it was neat to see things I didn't know could be done with glass. Yes, yeah. like the like the glass that looks like an inflated hammer. Hammer like, that looks that like, was so cool. The glass that looks like saran wrap. The glass mm-hmm. that looks like fabric. Like mm-hmm. the, there was a lot of really neat things that i have not seen before and it's not because i don't maybe maybe these are that um specific and talented and unique of artists or more likely i just don't know anything about glass um but it was it was cool to see challenges um and enough time given in challenges that you felt like they could actually succeed at the tasks that they were given more or less Mm -hmm. um so i appreciated that element of the production and the producing behind it i like that they had assistance i like that as as you got you know towards the last few episodes they had more assistance and and as much or more time i appreciated that it didn't feel like they were being set up to fail Um, right so yeah it was it was fun i enjoyed the season and you know if there's a third season i'll watch that too yeah, I do like that in the final episode, they got assistants who could legitimately probably be on the show themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is really, which is really great. Um, and getting three assistants to do that, you, you probably need more than that. But mm-hmm. well, <laughs> yeah. to put up a whole like gallery, the amount of pieces they want in a day like that, yeah. you need to have talented and very mm-hmm. capable assistants. So, yeah, that yeah. was a smart way to go. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Well, that will wrap up our conversation about Blown Away Season 2, which, again, is streaming over at Netflix uh, for those who are 
curious and want to check it out, a few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation over there. You can email us at televerse at gmail.com. We're up in Apple Podcasts with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews there as well as over on Stitcher. And uh, of course, we are both up on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Folks, be sure to check out Streaming in Place next week. Um, we're going to do a little break from Lodge 49, but also Lodge 49, the scrolls are GameStop. <laughs> oh, looking forward, <laughs> looking forward to that next week. And also just seeing, oh, yeah, that was hilarious. And also thank you for that. That was, yeah, that was really fun. Oh man, the lot, the scrolls, the scrolls are GameStop. They aren't, they aren't Bitcoin. That was so foolish. They're Robin Hood. Yeah. Or I don't know. No, Robin Hood uh, is correct. You're correct. That's that's the right reference. I, I, oh, I know that's the right reference. It just okay. isn't. It's not. Mm-hmm. I guess Bitcoin is is. It's not a company, right? It's a no. It's not concept. A so it's a concept. Yes. But you know, whatever. Oh man. But currency is just a concept. We can be on a lemon standard. Lemon standard, <laughs> and let's and with the lemon standard. That's I feel like a beautiful place to wind up the episode for the week. Uh, that lemon standard thing, that's going to be like one of my big takeaways. <laughs> like one of my big references coming out of Lodge 49 is definitely going to be lemon standard. Yes. Um, but on that note, thank you, Noel, as always. Thank, thank you, everyone, you, for listening. Kate. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Televerse.